Hi, uh, welcome to GNY and UNY, uh, Gain Upstate New York. Uh, this is James Norris. Uh, this is my podcast. Um, it's calling, I'm calling, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's Sunday night. So I usually don't record on Sunday nights, but I'm recording tonight. Um, feel like I'm a little late, but I wanted, felt like I had to re- say something tonight. I think I've been thinking about kind of the healing process and where, and how that kind of, you know, last week I did a podcast and I thought I'm doing good. I'm doing fine. And this week I definitely felt a little more of reflection of healing. You know, we, I take a look back, I took a look back and I was like, oh, okay. I think I'm still in the healing process, of course, or still in the grieving process, you know, from the relationship, even though I want to say I'm over it and things are going to get better and they are going to get better. But, you know, I thought to myself, like, how do I heal? So I Googled it you know, that idea of that there's several different steps and, you know, um, between, you know, the initial pain and then, you know, the, and then the bartering and then the denial. I don't know if there was ever denial, but definitely when I find myself being able to do things that I couldn't do, you know, after it, after the, you know, after the breakup, when, you know, when I'm able to listen to love songs on the radio, um, and not, and it be not too much and it can be just enough or it's what I need to hear at that time or, and saying those things that I can relate to, you know, uh, like somebody I used to know that came on the radio driving the other day and definitely something I can relate to, um, and was relating to. You know, you find yourself in those moments in the car. <laughs> Sometimes you have to just sing along and belt it out. And I definitely felt that. And I was thinking to myself as I, you know, as I was realizing that, oh, it's not too sad to listen to love songs anymore. I can listen to love songs and I'm okay. You know, probably because I understand it a little more deeper. Um, you know, but part of it is still anger. I think I'm still, I think I'm still angry. I think that goes in any relationship. Uh, and especially, you know, when I look back at, you know, the choices I made, I don't regret any of the choices I made, but I'm aware of the choices I made and being aware of those choices and those things small things I chose to overlook or, um, you know, or the things I, the things I said, Oh, that's okay. I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, and let it slide those compromises, which I think have to happen in relationships and is hard sometimes to do. And there are times, especially this weekend, I was reminded, you know, someone's Facebook profile popped up and that person just reminded me of, you know, the pain of the breakup and why is this person showing up on my Facebook feed? Like, this is the other person. This is the other, you know, and I didn't need, I didn't want to see that. And I just made me feel angry all of a sudden. And I don't like feeling so angry, but I think that's normal. I think it's normal to feel angry, to feel kind of, you know, when you're lied to in a relationship and it hurts, uh, it's hard not to be angry and it's hard not to, 
I don't, I don't find myself resentful, but I find myself worried that I will become resentful. And I don't think I will be. I think it's, it's just, I'm present and I'm here and I'm experiencing, you know, those feelings as they come up. And I think it's just a process. And as I go on dates and talk to different guys, you know, I was talking to a few guys this weekend and, um, a couple and I realized how I brought up the small dating pond that there is in upstate New York. Like sometimes, you know, someone knows someone else's ex, you know, all over that, that, you know, those six degrees of dating that happens when you grow up in a, you know, in a rural upstate area or whatever, a rural area uh, where there is, you know, where the gays are more spread out. Sorry, that was my um, dog hacking on something in the background right just before that. That's why I had to stop. Um, but picking up from there, I think this process of grieving the relationship is still in process. And I thought maybe it was over last week. And it's not. Um, you know, I worried. I was thinking to myself the other day, like, when you're with someone for a period of time, and you know, some, you think you know so much about them, but there's just small things like, will I forget how this person smells? Do you know when you're with someone and you know how they smell, they smell, you know, that smell to you, that smell to me, you know, meant a lot. You know, there's a lot of emotions wrapped up in that. And I will forget, I guess I will forget the way he smelled. Um, not smelled bad, I mean, just his scent. Uh, the small things. Um, the sound of his voice, those kind of things. And I think that's part of the sadness that goes along with it. And I speak about it matter of factly, but it still kind of hurts and I'm still working through it, I guess, um, is something I'm realizing. But it got me, you know, all of this grieving process that, you know, the pain, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance at all. I think it doesn't always happen like, in a, you know, in that, and that narrative from A to B, I think it's kind of circular. It kind of weaves in and out. And it's fascinating to me because it's been a while since I was in a relationship. And so I found myself in one great one and then it ended. And then, so this whole process of getting over it or um, healing, I'm just going to call it healing is um, definitely something new and something I'm aware of and taking not notes, but, um, trying to be present for, because I don't want to, this going to sound weird, but I don't want to miss it because I want to be present and be aware. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a strange thing. <laughs> and um, a lot of changes I think is coming in the future. I can feel it. I'm hoping positive change, good stuff, positivity. I am. Um, and I was thinking about like, the way people change and how people evolve. And I was watching this film called Moonlight because I'm hosting a screening this Wednesday for the L for an LGBTQI film series. And this film is set in kind of three acts, but it's not three acts like, you know, beginning, middle and end. It's three snapshots of a man's life. And if you take, you know, anyone's snapshot and this, and this film's about, you know, a gay black man growing up in Miami 
in the snapshot of him as a child, as an adolescent, and as an adult. And I kind of applied that to my own life and took a, I mean, just was thinking about it because if you take, if, and if you take anyone's life, if I take my life and I take three snapshots, you know, or three narratives from three different points of, in my life, I'm a completely different person almost, you know, would one recognize the other? Of course, the oldest, the older would recognize the younger, but would the younger recognize the older? Um, it's fascinating to me if I look at myself as a child, timid, quiet, reserved, people-pleasing, afraid. And then and to be honest, traumatized at times and not knowing how to deal with that. And the only way I dealt with that really was my own silence. I think that was my own self, self's way of you know, dealing with that or processing trauma. Mm -hmm. And then if I look at myself as a teenager or not even a teenager, let's, mm -hmm. or in college, even I found myself like driven, but not knowing where I was going, kind of aimlessly driving, like being blindfolded and driving a car almost <laughs> like just, you know, I was knowing I, I know I was going somewhere, but I didn't know where. And I was just trying to, you know, to pick up as much as I could. I, worked as much as I could. I took as many classes. Um, but I avoided my true self. I avoided myself. I didn't date in college. I wasn't ready to date. I didn't like myself. But if I took a snapshot of myself now, it's so different. I mean, A, because I'm self-aware, but B, because I almost mourn the person I was. I do mourn the person I was. I feel sorry for that child. I feel sorry for that 20 year old in college. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I relate to them and I'm thankful that they were, you know, that that was me. I thankful I had those experiences because it made me who I am today, but I feel sad for them. And I don't know what that says. That's what I'm processing. I don't know what that says about me, about the way I view my own past or, um, or how I view my own journey. And <laughs> this may just be the ramblings of some, you know, um, some weird queer, <laughs> but, um, I, I think sometimes I overthink things. But I think there is a benefit to overthinking things, and that is being able to process really hard emotions and complicated situations and complicated histories and my own complicated history. And um, I watched uh, um, I watched a stand-up special by this guy uh, Carmichael, where he comes out as gay, and he tells his story and it's not a happy one. And I was reminded how extremely lucky I am to have the support in my life where some people don't and may never, may never get from their own blood, from their own family. And a lot of, a lot of sadness. And I, and that's, 
and I think that's, it reminded me why it's so important to tell your coming out story or to tell pe people your coming out story and why it matters. And it matters because not everyone's is the same and you learn from everyone's. You, I learned from other people telling me their coming out stories and other people hopefully learn something from mine. And the idea of storytelling really builds a support system a mental support system. This person went through this. I can get through this. And so on and so on. And those stories get passed down. Um, and it's it's almost human nature, I think. And the coming out story is something that will be something, I think, you know, when you, we look back in the, when we are, you know, in the future looking back, you know, people telling their coming out stories is a way to show your pride to be connected and for other people to connect to you um, and to feel part of a community. And I think that's why we tell our coming out stories to build community and to um, recognize each other, recognize, you know, the lesbians, gay, bisexual, trans, etc., And recognize those people that they are visible, that you can say gay and that it's not overly complicated for a child to understand who, what a gay person is or a trans person. I think um, people forget how smart kids are. And uh, my niece knows, and she knows, you know, Uncle Jamie dates boys or men. Um, and she still, you know, she busts my chops about it, but that's because she's intelligent and she is hysterical. She's a comedian. She's a John Belushi in a small child form, which I find hysterical. Um, but I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty remarkable. And I think it's pretty remarkable when someone tells their coming out story. And I just think the people that have and the people that do and the people that risk a lot by when they do, um, I think it's pretty admirable. And I admire you all, all you people for telling your coming out stories, um, and sharing them. I think it's important to share the good ones and the bad ones because I think that's how we understand each other as human beings. And I just want to thank you people for listening and for the people that tell their coming out stories that share those coming out stories with other people to let them know they're not alone and how connected we are and how looking back on our lives in three different phases, you know, um, there's almost a coming out story to every one of those when you, when you, you know, when you become your real, when you become your true authentic self, I think it's pretty phenomenal. And I think it's pretty phenomenal to, to be yourself. And I applaud everyone that does that. Um, and I applaud the people that can't, but will eventually. So I don't know if that's too much rambling or not, but um, if you know anyone dealing with um, or having problem problems dealing with uh, being LGBTQIA, they can contact the trevorproject.org or itgetsbetter.org. If someone you know or someone you love is having suicidal ideations, they can reach the National, National Suicide Lifeline at 1-800-275-8255. Thank you for listening, people, and be kind to each other. Thanks. Bye.